Hello, friends. Welcome to Take It or Lead It. This is Vale from Budapest, Hungary. And this is Bianca. I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. Bianca, I'm really excited because today we're going to speak about humanity. And um, this is, uh, I think, our fifth or sixth episode. And we have been trying to be more sort of structured in the way we prepare our episodes. And still today we decided that we will, be, we will go with the flow. So tell me why you wanted us to talk about humanity today. So when I think about the messages I want to share with people, um, one that really stands out for me is I think there's a lot of, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of people who may naturally um, see first people's differences. Um, and so, you know, we all have them, we're all different in many, many ways. But I think if, if we could um, maybe give people a new way of thinking about their connections and their relationships and their interactions, and that would be to see people's humanity first, see them as human like me first, and then I think there's so much goodness that can come after that. I think if you see people as, a, as, as human, your fellow humans first, and then you can appreciate their differences rather than what I think happens for a lot of people is they naturally, without even knowing, so this is not, usually, not something I, I see as, as particularly intentional, but they would see the way they're different from someone and sometimes it can create defensiveness or a barrier or a separateness. So in the spirit of, you know, how do we, how do we bridge those gaps? How do we evolve? That made me think, you know, humanity, let's talk about seeing people's humanity before we see their differences. Okay, that, that's, that's very interesting. And uh, it resonates uh, a lot with me. Uh, maybe I'd like to elaborate more on you know, seeing differences, right? Because there are various ways of being different and the ones that we get to see immediately when we meet new people or anybody for that matter, we see the differences on a, a sort of physical level, on the look level, right? Be the way we actually look like uh, our, our, you know, physical characteristics or the way we, we dress. And um, um, yeah, even to be very sort of open i i notice that i do that and um, i'm wondering uh, if that ha still happens to you and can you right now like stop that inner narrative that wants you to look at someone or oh, this person is filling the spaces and and when you notice that how do you kind of reflect back to go back to that depth that you just described of seeing the humanity or humanness that word exists into the other person. I love I love the question and, and kind of challenging me to think about that because I think while I do see differences, it might be a, a unique attribute of mine where I truly do see people as people first. And you know what I actually think, I think I might know where it comes from. So for me, I found most of my life in many ways, I have been, um, seen first for my differences. I've been recognized, you know, as different in this way or that way. And it, it often would make me feel excluded. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, I, I don't know if it was a learned behavior or if it was something that 
I evolved into my way of being because of I, I knew what that felt like to be, you know, excluded because I was different. Um, so for me, I think it it's it's not that I don't notice them like someone's a man or someone's of a different race or um, different abilities than me. Or it's like it's not that I don't notice them, but I never I don't think I it ever becomes like the the first thing or the thing that makes me feel um, you know a barrier or a difference or any kind of exclusion from with, from connecting or, or seeing that person for a person. So I do think as I think about your question and 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 try to you know, be truly honest, I do think I still see people first, maybe in a unique way, maybe in a way more than, than is common for most. Um, and I'm so glad, I think I'm, I'm really glad that I have that because I wouldn't want anyone to, to be, I wouldn't want to exclude people in my mind the way I know has been done to me by others who maybe didn't see me as a person first. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I, for me, it's been more of a journey. So even today, when I see someone who had, that looks very different from me, again, probably it's not from a race standpoint, but more for the way they they are uh, they dress, right? Uh, because in the Western world, there is quite it's quite homogeneous, and at least in Budapest, you don't get to see people which are having having a very different from the average, which is actually sad, right? I. I love when I see clothes from different cultures and countries, but but sometimes when it's still in the context of our culture, uh, someone is having some flamboyant or type of clothes and stuff. So I just, uh, you know, I, I catch myself having making a judgment and then I say, OK, but Vala, this is BS, right? Like, so, so what? Like everybody can do whatever they want and I don't really have any, I mean, cognitively, I just know that this is perfectly okay and I start to kind of welcome it but I had to learn and maybe to go a bit deeper in terms of the way the journey has played out for me is um, for me when I particularly when I was a teenager and in, and in my early 20s and then again I had to uh, I had to suffer a, a number of challenges and um, and defeats or if you will failure if we want to call them that way to kind of peel off my ego and then come to the acknowledgement that to exactly as you said, like humanity is what we all have in common. But for me, it was like when I was a teenager, I, I don't want to say it was arrogant. And maybe I mentioned this in a previous episode. I was uh, seeing myself as somewhat superior because I was particularly good at school and I was, um, you know, having good results and everything was easy for me. And, uh, and I see this as a, my ego trying to differentiate itself from everyone else. And putting me and try to trying to put me in the position of power. So my ego wanted to affirm itself, and of course, then with life you get to learn that you are just one of the others because you get to suffer as well. You get to uh, be rejected. So um, it's only through a number of challenges, failures, and rejections that then I met. I just did the inner work to up to peel off my ego, and then I now I see myself as one of many. I of you know part of the entire humanity to your point and now uh, I mean I still can see some old you know patterns coming out from time to time but I recognize them and then just I go back to the core of an understanding which is yeah we're all we're all human we're all homo sapiens and and in that sense we are equal uh, from from you know the grassroots well thank you for doing that because I think that's what 
that's what I would hope for um, for so many others to also be willing to do is um, you know I guess recognize where they where they are on you know on this scale if you will I just invented an imaginary scale in my head but do you automatically recognize the differences and then push yourself away from people because you know oh wow we we couldn't have anything in common there from from what I can see they're culturally different and and you know different gender and maybe don't even speak the same language like there could be so many things that you recognize immediately so you push yourself or distance yourself away from um from that person or maybe you're on the on the other end of this scale I'm still talking this imaginary scale that would be one end maybe you're on the other end like me where I I think I see people different so anyway I think what I'm saying is that I would love if people could figure out where they are do whatever make whatever effort they can so like just how you described I thank you for doing that I think that's fantastic and and I think people could you know sometimes the effort is is a small one they would need to make sometimes it's it's going to be bigger but I, I think that's really important and I you know I was thinking another thing when you were talking about because of the way that um that I see people for people I have I have such a beautifully diverse group of friends and people who are um you know maybe not biological family, but, but feel like family, people I've made family um, over my lifetime. And I think I also do this thing where I, one of my first reactions I have when meeting someone who is different in a very visible way, either from what maybe society expects of them or from different from me, I get excited. My brain lights up in this very, um, profound way so so let me tell you an example last night in fact I went to um I went to see a ballet and it's it was completely unexpected I didn't know that, that was going to happen yesterday I, there aren't ballets happening in theaters uh since since COVID but there was an impromptu well I guess it had been planned for me it was impromptu because I just happened to see on social media that right up the street from my house there was an outdoor ballet so the Atlanta ballet was performing last night and of course I jumped up and put my coat on and got in the car and drove up there and I was an hour before the show at time to get a good seat um and besides the fact it was an amazing experience here's the thing that I'm sharing my story I looked up I had a front row seat because I got there early I, I looked up and saw one of the male ballet dancers with um, his eyeliner blush lipstick he had makeup on I, my brain did that thing where I got excited and I was like, go you man with makeup on. Yes. Like I actually <laughs> love it in this, in this very different way. I don't think most people have that reaction, but I do. I love, I celebrate, I cherish people's differences. When I see someone who is brave and bold and they are doing and wearing and being whoever, whatever, same thing with clothes. You mentioned um, when people wear different clothes, maybe that are unique to their culture or, um, you know, just their personal style is really exciting. Same thing. I love it. I, um, I celebrate it. So I am that very, you know, that one person that sort of runs around just getting happy when I see people, people who are, who are, they're different or maybe going against the norm but I, I don't know that's that's because I see them as people first I think and then I can immediately celebrate in my head whether it's sometimes I'll tell them like I love that for you you know <laughs> um celebrate their their differences and uniqueness 
Yeah, no, th thanks for that story. I, I I feel probably for me again it came more late, like later in life as a as a result of my my journey. But I really do appreciate people that uh, decide to show up in the world in their very in their own very unique way. And that, I think that takes a lot of courage, right? Because um, some you know you you may uh, you are aware that you may be judged. Um, discriminated or looked at differently and uh, you know if you have certain characteristics it may be even difficult for you to have a, to find a job right think about some in in some company cultures even in some cultures as a for the entire society or or regions of the world like if you have a tattoo that that's seen as bad as you know something that you know it's not appropriate right and that if you if a tattoo is part of your identity or helps you uh, be a more aligned with your values, your things you believe, and it just gives value to your life, then you, and you're living that society. You need to have the courage. It's just an example. It can be others, right? Mm -hmm. but, but some of these identities or characteristics that we have um, are difficult to stand for because they entail some risk. And now, interestingly, we were speaking about what we all have in common, and we went to the topic of what makes us different. But I think there is a strong connection because at the, on the level of, of behavior, on the level of look, on the level of beliefs, uh, we all we're all different. But at the core, we are having the same needs. And that's what I wanted to introduce the topic of need, because in my journey, particularly in the last five seven years where I started to study nonviolent communication that helped me see the common dimensions of being human in the needs right if you think about the Maslow's pyramid um, you you get to understand that the core needs are the same needs of shelter needs of safety needs of belonging and need of food air sexual expression you name it right so the, the interesting thing is that those needs expressed in this very sort of general way, they are the same, but the way we decided we decide to have those needs met or fulfilled are different. And that's where the differences come up. Okay, some differences are more inherent to our being, like where we were born or the color of our skin, but some other differences are just strategies that we um, use to meet those needs. So that just, you know, want to reflect on on this topic yeah i think it's it's really important to to think about the the needs that we share <clears throat> regardless of the different ways we express them if nothing else let's say if someone is struggling to look at someone and see how they're the same because maybe all they naturally do is see how they're different that's that's the way maybe that they're currently wired but they're interested in this journey and how to do the work I think that's a really powerful advice is to start there. Like look at, if you look at someone and all you see is different, then challenge yourself to, um, to actually consciously take the step and say, well, <laughs> they need to eat and sleep and they need shelter and, you know, um, things the same as me from, from basic human needs. So I do think that's really, really good advice um, because without conscious effort, most people will notice the differences first. Like, so this is going, this is something that people have to, you know, they have to do the work and be intentional yeah. about it, which is why I thought this was so important um, to talk about. 
Yeah, and maybe building one step further on the needs, I think acknowledging that there is a uh, hierarchy of needs in the sense that f- like if you meet someone that is uh, having uh, issues with uh, day-to-day survival, right? Their needs, uh, maybe you, you know, your need in that particular context is need of adventure, need of growth. But if you, if you don't have the capacity and the means to survive, well, your needs at the, are at the much, um, from a, I'm just saying lower level, purely from the way you visualize, but you get what I mean. It's not necessarily ontologically or inherently lower. It's just that if you don't have food, you don't have a shelter, then your certain survival is at, at risk, right? Why, whilst if you have those needs met, then you start thinking about progress and, uh, and uh, learning and growth and self-actualization, which is actually the top of the pyramid. So understanding that dynamic is you're entering a, say you're entering a relationship or, um, or a workplace, like where are the other um, that are around you in terms of their needs met, right? Is the need of safety, security, belonging met? If these needs are not met, then this will be the, the first thing that people will look for or that will um, create suffering for them. So I think that I, understanding that concept is very, very important in that sense. Yeah, it makes me think about um, the, you know, surviving versus thriving. Um, I, think, I think about that often because for me, um, for much of my life, I was, I was really just surviving, you know, much of my early adult life. And it, it was such a, um, such a, such a awesome moment when I realized I had, I had shifted, I had been able to shift. I had gotten to the place where I was now able to actually thrive. Uh, and it wasn't by the way, until I got there that I knew I had always been only surviving. I didn't know when I was in it, that that's what was happening. Um, and, and so, you know, I felt really, good about my journey and, and about my evolution and about having been able to step into this uh, place of, of, you know, I'm actually growing and thriving. And what I, so when I, and I know I'm, I'm oversimplifying just a little bit, putting it in these two groups, but it, I, I say that because I also think it, it will represent people's ability to move on the scale, right? As, as I just invent in scale, I invented in my head um, of, you know, where they stand with, you know, seeing people um, as human first versus um, the other end of the scale. Because I think if there's still maybe, maybe some needs are unmet, or maybe they're just in survival mode, this might be harder for them, or this might be something that they aren't able to really do until they get to a, um, to, you know, to a di- the other end of the scale. Let's just keep using the scale works for me. So, th- so I think that's important sure. to think about is that, you know, even for me, right? So as I, you know, go out here and, and, you know, when my friends ask me, what are you doing today? Well, I'm trying to change the world. Sometimes that's jokingly my answer. I'm like, I'm trying to change the world. I think this is really helpful as you've laid this out and I've made the connection for me to realize that some people aren't going to be able to do this yet. But at least if we, you know, if we reach someone who, who is ready to take this on, maybe, you know, what we're sharing here will, will kind of be the catalyst for them. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, perhaps the other uh, dimension I'd like to talk about is uh, is this like spiritual understanding of oneness. Okay, that that's something that again I have came across in um, the last maybe five years or so. 
where if you look at various spiritual traditions at the core, they all have a common understanding that, uh, that we're all together. There is a, uh, some, some tradition or even some uh, uh, psychologists would call it uh, uh, collective consciousness, right? So there is a level where we all belong. And I think humanity is the ultimate belonging, right? Because that's, we're all on, on that boat. And, and to me, it goes even beyond, right? And this, the idea of oneness is that we're not just one in, uh, at, the, at the deeper level, as, as human beings, we are actually one with everything else that exists. One of my favorite quotes in that space is, uh, is this, there's, there's only one thing and we're all it. There's only one thing and we're all it. And, and I like it um, because I think it, it's concise enough to express a very deep concept. Um, and we found ourselves on, on this uh, as like another metaphor I like is really think, thinking about the waves of the ocean, right? So we are all waves and on the, surf, on the surface, we seem to be different and to kind of uh, fight for resources. And there are some waves which are in the same direction and they're like our friends and, and family and other waves that are seen that seem to be against us. And we have all of that sense of uh, separation. But then if you just look underneath the surface, there is this entire mess of, 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 of water, which is, the same for all of us it's just underneath right so that that oneness it's uh, really there for for all of us to um you know just recognize that we're at the core very well very connected so when you shared that it actually touched my soul i felt that so deeply i know that people can't see my face but I began to smile and I couldn't make it go away. So I, I thank you for saying that and sharing that because it, it definitely just affected me. And it also um, compelled me to share something and another kind of personal aspect of my journey, which ties to the, the, the oneness that you were just talking about, which I think I've always felt so deeply. Again, I'm not sure if it came from the experience of being excluded or just because it, you know, there was some something in me. So I'm not sure about that, but either way, for sure been this way for, for as long as I can remember. Well, so I can, I'm going to tell a story about how um, I actually, my family um, on my mother's side is, is Christian and raised me that way, but, but I didn't ever feel a strong connection. Um, and it was, I didn't know this then, but it was because it, um, it was a bit exclusionary in some ways and it kind of isolated or talked about how, um, you know, certain people maybe who didn't share this belief, at least in, in the spaces I was in, it was talking about people, you know, being wrong or different. So again, that whole thing that doesn't work for me, like if you don't believe this or think this, you're wrong or you're different. Um, and and some, some other more dramatic things that would be said and shared, um, whether it was in church or in other situations. And it always made me upset. It upset me. I didn't, I did, couldn't get with that idea. So it was in my early adulthood when a friend of mine, um, she was actually doing her master's thesis on history of women and religion. And she asked me to read some books uh, to, to participate in, in her thesis study. And 
when I tell you that changed my life, because I realized, first of all, there's so much more than what I knew and what I had been told and what my family had exposed me to. So I felt immensely grateful to see and learn and understand these other ideas. But then I also was introduced to spirituality and, and what I was, it wasn't termed this way at the time, but this oneness. So I immediately found the identity that I was comfortable with, which was, you know, considering myself spiritual and connecting as a spiritual being. Um, I don't personally identify with one specific religion, maybe because of that part of me that wants to just believe that everyone is right, everyone belongs, everyone's beliefs are valid. So I respect tremendously people who have different religions, but I had to situate myself in such a way that I, I could respect, cherish, uplift, honor all of them rather than just picking one. I couldn't do it um, and it didn't work for me. And so it was freeing. Um, it, was, it was a big part of my growth journey. So maybe that's why when you started talking about the oneness, which is also what I got from being exposed to um, a spirit, more spiritual nature that is inclusive of everyone and everything and that honors it and believes that everybody's values and beliefs are right. It felt like home to me. Whereas the whole time I was growing up, I was, you know, sort of being told this one way and it never felt right. So again, another way where I thought something must be wrong with me because I, I don't get this, like they get this, meaning everyone in my family, my communities. And, you know, I'm from the, the South of, of, of the U S which is, you know, if you don't, go to church here again sometimes people will say something's wrong with you <laughs> so right. um so i found my way i found you know i found what made sense to me and it for sure connects to the oneness the concept of the oneness great and and what you just describes described is uh, it reminds me of the the dance between uh, humanity and oneness and and diversity and what you used one one word one word or one verb that i think it's critical it's exposure I got exposed to, and I think exposure to different ways of being in the world, of thinking cultures, and so on, is such a critical sort of asset or a you know step in in people's journey to acknowledge acknowledge a oneness in a very diverse world, uh, and, and and it reminds me of one of the things I you know, like to talk about is really um, when in my foundation, I started to meet people like for really many different places in the world. But for me, uh, that, that journey started when I moved abroad from Italy to Hungary in 2006, I started to get to know people from different places, but also through work, right? Because having been in a global company and, and slowly it started to dawn on me that all of this difference even some things that you don't necessarily understand why in a certain culture they do xyz in your culture it wouldn't make any sense and yet you ask yourself well but these people have been doing this for centuries right so there must be a reason and you start not to question the reason you just acknowledge that there is a logic to it and, and then you go deeper and you realize that, oh, maybe there is not only a logic, there is even beauty in that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then you get more and more open-minded and, and then you, you get to really appreciate all of these differences. Again, acknowledging that at the source, at the core, there are equal needs uh, or similar needs. And um, yeah, and, and when you're conscious about it and you can then leverage all of these you know differences and and for one of the things that actually also sort of 
organically happened to me is that when I was living in, in Italy, I was extremely picky with food. Even in the Italian cuisine, which is very sort of diverse by region, I, there were things I would never eat. And only when I moved abroad, I started to really, you know, enjoy. Again, it took me probably a decade to now I eat pretty much anything. <laughs> you know, to, take me like back in my early 20s and give me sushi. I would just refuse. <laughs> but now I love sushi. I love Indian food. I love Thai. Right. And. And it's like how that changed me, even on very trivial stuff. It's been uh, uh, it's been a, an interesting journey, which I am really happy about. When you started talking about all of the different kinds of foods, my mind instantly went to how you know different cultures have diff- may have different foods they eat or clothes that they wear or, or you know different traditions or things that they celebrate but each of them eats food, each of them celebrates something. Exactly. You know, each of them has clothes that they wear. So I think it's, when you highlighted the word I used exposure, I do think that's really a big part of it. Um, So maybe, maybe as people are on this journey of seeing people as part of humanity is more of a first step, part of maybe what the work is they want to do is, is help, is expose themselves, expose themselves to um, to many differences, people with many differences, um, and you know, challenge themselves to to because that maybe that helps gr- helps us grow, helps us grow into a space of seeing people as part of humanity first. And, and picking on this one, Bianca, maybe the the practical sort of recommendation we can give to people is to get some exposure by meeting people that look different from you. Um, yeah. Go and even go in some communities. There are a lot of communities that would help you. Uh, to see the world from their perspective, just join them for a week. Like even when you go abroad, don't just go to you know fancy restaurants and and just you know uh, check the point. Oh, I've been to the place and it's checked, right? Just you try to immerse yourself in the local culture, meet local people, get to understand their traditions, their food, and uh, and what I would actually recommend to anyone who is a parent, uh, send your your children abroad for an experience you know particularly even in their teenagers just get them to see other cultures that, that i think it can be profound i mean if to mean on a on a on a regular sort of education uh curriculum there should be an experience abroad for for weeks rather for months if not for for a year uh that i think can be transformational for for most most kids um absolutely Absolutely. Um, so here's here's a funny thing I just want to share quickly because as you said that, I re- remembered that my daughter did study abroad when she was in college, and she studied abroad in Italy, which is where you're from. Yeah. So it's just a total coincidence. But it was totally I, random. I just made that connection in my head quickly when you were talking about that. And and yes, I I agree completely. It um, even you know in school and then beyond. So now that you know she's 23, I still encourage her think about think about it. I want you to travel. I want you to see and experience uh, the different parts of the world. And a big part of it is because it keeps, it opens your mind and it changes the way you think about people and the way you view people when you have this exposure. So I, I definitely think we're onto something. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now that, that coincidence about your, your daughter having been in Italy, uh, even to places that I actually cherish uh, in, in Tuscany. That's, yeah. That was crazy. Okay. 
So I would just like to end from my side with the quote from one of my favorite books in terms of spirituality and spiritual growth. It's The Course in Miracles. I might have already mentioned this during the podcast and I will certainly mention it again. And the quote is the following. I'm reading it. When you meet anyone, remember it is a holy encounter. As you see them, you will see yourself. As you treat them, you will treat yourself. As you think of them, you will think of yourself. Never forget this, for in them you will find yourself or lose yourself. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, well, we will, um, we will look forward to any comments that you have to share. Um, you know, let us know again what you think or anything that you might want us to, um, any other topics you might want us to cover, please feel free to send those along. Hope this was valuable, helpful, um, hope you feel inspired, encouraged. Maybe you'll use my, my scale I developed in my head as you think about your journey. Um, so anyway, I, I hope that um, you will think about whether you take it or lead it. <laughs> All right. Glenn. Thank you, Bianca, for bringing up this topic. I loved it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. See you next time.